0: Hello and welcome to the Unheard Youth Podcast. I'm your host, Rose Eva Forgs-Jenkins. We are a podcast featuring what newcomer youth have to say about identity, migration, and belonging. To start off, we wanted to show you a bit of what you're going to hear for the next 13 episodes of the podcast. Later on in the show, we'll tell you a bit more about the podcast and how it came together. But first, Here's a compilation, featuring some of the many voices that you're going to hear on the
1: podcast. Ah, uh, wait, wait, we're recording. What's, what's poppin'? Up? If everyone's ready, we'll start then.
0: Oh my gosh, I had... I don't know if you had anything else to say. I, to say. I
1: have things to say. <laughs> is, it, is,
0: it, is it recording? You talk yeah. about it every day. Okay, Anyways, as I was saying... Can you tell me uh, when you came to Canada, how old you are? Like.
1: You know your introduction to the
0: to the whole world who's listening
1: right now I'm from Liberia I'm 17 years old and I'm in grade 11 McNally high school. Hi I'm Tashmar and I'm from Jamaica
2: I've
1: been
0: in Canada for three years I'm 12 years old
2: I'm from Eritrea, East African country I have been here almost three months
1: my uh, moi c'est Florange,
0: J- j'ai 17, I'm a young man. My mother is Haitian, my father is Irish, but I've lived with my mother, so I'm Haitian.
1: Hello, my name is Shalom Justin, I'm an international student from Nigeria. I'm um, currently living in Fort St. John, my final year, grade 12.
0: Hello, Namaste my name, is my name is Nepal, I'm WhatsApp, Nepal. My
1: I'm 18. I'm from Nigeria.
2: Bonjour. Mon nom est Jean-Yves. Je suis technicien en travail social au Collège Antique. Je suis âgé, trois points d'interrogation, mais je suis un monsieur de certain âge. Oui.
1: I was born in South Korea from a fully South Korean family. However, I can't really identify myself as Korean because my family and I immigrated to Australia four years ago. We immigrated back to Canada eight years ago, and this is where we
2: live now. I
0: immigrated to Canada after the war that's happened in Syria. Like, I was so comfortable in my country, and I wasn't thinking that I'll leave my country in one day. But after the danger is getting more and more, so our, our family decide to move to Canada. And after I get here, I had like better opportunity to study and to work and to have good friends. Oh.
2: <laughs> Hello, and welcome to our interview about immigration and identity.
0: Mm, what can I do? Mm. Mm. How do you like Toronto? I can go on and on about why I love Toronto and it really has a lot to do with that diversity. What I like to say is that this city is this beautifully imperfect mosaic of of stories and histories and experiences. Even though they aren't always perfectly peacefully coexisting, they're still coexisting imperfectly. So, thank you for being here today and giving us your time to share uh, whatever question I'm going to say today.
1: Does it feel like home here to you? I really
0: don't think so, like I don't really have any complaints, but you really can't replace what home is.
2: How can adults help support youth culture? That's a very interesting question and one that kind of leaves me befuddled.
0: Do
1: you balance your home culture and new culture? Yeah, cuz my stepfather
0: was a Canadian and my mom was a Filipino. So so the culture of a Canadian and Filipino are mixed together.
1: I could live in outer space. It's just all these other people make me feeling out of place.
2: Chaque personne caucasienne m'approche et surtout quand que je ils vont commencer à me parler de
1: I'm going to tell
0: you a story that happened in the airport. So when I first came here, I landed in a Vancouver airport, and I saw a large coffee shop. It's called Team Hortons. So back in China, I didn't even know there's a coffee shop called Team Hortons. Yeah, I found it's pre- pretty popular in Canada. And after I tried it, I found it's better than Starbucks. I always clean myself as a Sudanese because that's the culture that I grew up with. Well, belonging was something... That is a challenge. <laughs> my best writing, my best language, the language I know best is English, and yet English does not understand my experience or what it's like to be an immigrant.
2: Pour répondre à la question, si je me considère euh, québécois, pour de vrai, j'ai pas vraiment de d'idées fixes sur ça serait quoi être québécois, donc je trouve que je suis pas vraiment bien placé pour répondre à la question. When you grow up and you don't learn about these things in Canadian school systems, it can be very isolating to learn about European history and how German settlers came here and Ukrainian settlers came here. But to not to know that there were black settlers or Jewish and Muslim communities in Canada, they have deep roots here too. Mais
0: si vous voulez intégrer des gens de couleur, il faut
1: bien, bien les intégrer,
0: parce qu'il faut faire attention. Parce que qu'est-ce que j'ai vu à la fête de la Saint-Jean-Baptiste là Les madames blanches,
2: non chanter, avec euh, du charisme là, elles sont contents.
1: Et qui tu vois en train de pousser
2: les chariots, les
1: noires. What draws you back home the most
2: I have
0: a lot of family back home. The food, I like the food too.
1: You don't like Canadian food?
0: Oh, well, it's good, but like not as Ethiopian food. What?
1: I think that's the point where we're at in Canadian history now, where we see and acknowledge and respect the benefits that immigration brings to us today. If anyone was to tell me to bleach my skin, I'll be like, "No, out my face. Like my melanin's popping, it's enough. Like leave me alone." <laughs> that's it. Being able to recognize you as a force and not being afraid because I think many adults are afraid of youth.
0: A lot of people, a lot of females, everybody in this world right now need to have role models that are like not apologetic of where they come from and they're not embarrassed of their stories. We are the unheard youth voices so you have to listen. I feel like that's that's that. I dropped the bike. (laughs) Don't
2: action. Uh. Nothing, but is you
0: just heard a compilation of what's to come on the later episodes of the podcast. Seeing as this is our very first episode, we wanted to let you know what we're all about. The Centre for Race and Culture in Edmonton wanted to create a podcast highlighting newcomer youth voices all across Canada. As your host, I travelled across the country to record what youth had to say about the themes of the podcast. Identity, Migration, and Belonging. We listened to what youth had to say in Fort St. John, British Columbia, Edmonton, Alberta, Montreal, Quebec, and Toronto, Ontario. There are 13 completed episodes to this project. To let you know more about the structure of the podcast, most of our episodes feature what the youth have to say. As your host, I give you a bit of context and information about the city where we went. And I also tell you a bit about the process of how the recordings happened. In the podcast, we feature many different kinds of conversations among the youth. Sometimes there's an exchange with newcomer and non newcomer youth. Sometimes there's a youth leader to moderate the discussion. And sometimes the youth come up with their own topics to discuss with each other. We hear from youth who come from all over different parts of the world. And they all have a different perspective on what it means to be a newcomer in Canada. We also have four episodes where I interview a guest expert on a topic. This introduction episode is the first one. Later on, you'll hear from my conversation with Noelle J. Paul and Jamili Bachelini, where we talk about our own migration stories and define some of the terms that will come up on the podcast. Each theme for the podcast has an episode where I interview a guest or guests. For the theme of migration, we're going to hear more from Noël and Jamili about the history of immigration policy in Canada. For the theme of belonging, I have a conversation with Reuben Quinn about newcomer and Indigenous relationships. For the theme of identity, I talk to Yasmin Jawani about the ways that media shapes the way that we perceive ourselves. On the podcast, we're going to be hearing a lot about immigrants, refugees, and newcomers. I wanted to know more about what these terms mean, and how they're defined from a Canadian context. So, I had a conversation with Noelle J. Paul and Jamili Bachelainey to discuss some terms that are useful to know for the rest of the podcast. We talk about what those terms mean to us, and some of the statistics on migration around the world and in Canada. Here is Noelle and Jamili.
1: I'm Noelle J. Paul. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. I'm excited to chat with you both today. I am a Treaty 6 settler, so I was born and raised in Edmonton. My parents are both immigrants from Guyana, a country that is considered the West Indies in South America, just kind of north of Brazil. My name is Jamile Bachelini, and I was born and raised in Edmonton as well.
2: My mother was born in Canada. Um, She's Ukrainian and German. And then my father immigrated from Lebanon uh, in the late 70s. And so I think for folks to kind of understand what we're talking about, maybe we can
0: talk about some terms that come up and what those specifically mean when we bring up those terms.
1: Sure. So I think the terms that we hear most frequently in the Canadian narrative are immigrant and refugee. There's a lot of differences between these two immigration categories an immigrant is someone who chooses to a large extent to settle in another country permanently. Immigrants also face a lot of the push and pull factors, as we call them, uh, that, that inspire them or motivate them to leave where they originally are from or or other factors that pull them specifically to Canada. So better work opportunities, educational opportunities, um, better opportunities for their children in the future, things like that. Whereas refugees are forced to flee their country because of persecution, war, or violence. Typically, we use the United Nations High Commission for Refugees, or UNHCR, as we can call them. Uh, We use their definition, and there's certain components that legally identify people as refugees. So they're forced to flee their country because of persecution, war, or violence. And they have a well-founded fear of persecution for reasons that include race, religion, nationality, political opinion, or membership in a particular social group. Uh, And they cannot return home or are afraid to do so. So that's really the biggest difference between immigrants and refugees. Refugees are kind of out of options by that point in time. Uh, they can't go back to their homes, whereas immigrants who come to Canada, there is that, maybe it's a an unsavory possibility or it's unpalatable, but they could return home if they chose to Um, another interesting point to note is that both immigrants and refugees when they land in Canada they are permanent residents they are paying taxes to our governments they are able to work they are able to go to school they are able to get health care in Canada the only thing that permanent residents cannot do that citizens can do is vote Uh, Or run for political office or those kinds of things that are uh, more in the political sphere of organizing. But not to say that that is a hard and steadfast rule, because municipalities are now looking into the idea of allowing permanent residents to vote in municipal elections, which is great news, I think. And I think that would be really uh, something transformational for our cities that receive a lot of immigrants um, and refugees. So another definition that I think is important specifically for this podcast is
0: this podcast focuses on newcomer youth voices. So what specifically is a newcomer? On the Government of Canada website, this is the definition that we get for newcomers to Canada, is that it applies only to the first tax year that you are a new resident of Canada for income tax purposes. After your first tax year in Canada, you are no longer considered a newcomer for income tax purposes. There's another definition that I found where recent immigrants, who are also known as newcomers, refers to landed immigrants who came to Canada up to five years prior to a given census year. So that's the official government understanding of newcomers. But I think that for the purposes of this podcast, we define newcomers as anyone who feels like they are new to this land in some way, shape, or form.
1: Another quick Definition that I'll go through is internally displaced persons. Uh, This is actually the largest group of uh, precarious folks around the world when we're talking about migration status. So, internally displaced persons are displaced from their homes, they have fled for similar reasons to refugees, but they're within their own country's boundaries. And this is a real problem because the reason that they're fleeing, whether it's war, violence, uh, political upheavals, their governments is no longer functioning to provide them with the supports that they need. Uh, So internally displaced persons are really kind of out of luck. They're often the most vulnerable in the world. So to be a refugee, going back to our refugee definition, you actually have to be outside of your country. Uh, You cannot register as a refugee with the UNHCR unless you are outside of your borders. Something else that's been really popping up in the news lately in Canada, in North America, in Europe, all over the world is the idea of undocumented folks or people without status. Um, These are folks who have not been given permission to stay in a particular country, or they've stayed after their visa has expired. So whether they came on a temporary visa, a work visa, a student or visitor visa, uh, it can also cover people who fall through the cracks of the system, such as a refugee claimant who is uh, refused refugee status when they're in the country, but they don't leave Canada because they really do have a fear of returning home. We actually see this quite a bit with LGBTQ refugees who've come to Canada, because they are asked to prove that they are within the LGBTQ community. And they've escaped from countries where being gay, being homosexual, being trans is dangerous and even illegal. Uh, But you can imagine that for Folks who are coming from countries where it's illegal to be gay, proving that you're gay is very difficult since you've spent all of your life up till this point hiding the fact that you were gay in order to save your own life. Uh, so a lot of those refugee claimants are being denied permanent refugee status within Canada, but they cannot return home. So they become people without status. Uh, A lot of uh, the undocumented folks that we know about in Alberta are people who've come on the Temporary Foreign Worker Program, which is a flawed program, uh, but that's a story for a different day. The Temporary Foreign Worker Program, the rules change so frequently. There's federal regulations, there's provincial regulations. And sometimes people who are here on their Temporary Foreign Worker visa, the rules change Suddenly they lose their status or maybe their employer fires them without cause, they lose their status, all of these different issues. So they're still living in Alberta trying to get their status back, trying to get their papers back. They're still perhaps working. They have children who are Canadian citizens in a lot of cases. They have families here. They've built a life here. We hear people use the terms illegal migrant, illegal alien, all of these things. These are very problematic because they criminalize a person. A person is not illegal. Uh, we, We don't call people who have stolen things or, you know, ran a stop sign illegal people just because they've been in an act that is against the law. International law actually recognizes that refugees may need to enter a country without official documents or authorization, so it actually is misleading to describe them as illegal migrants. Uh, Similarly, a person without status may have been coerced by traffickers, whether that's through human trafficking, labor trafficking, which is very common, sex trafficking. These people are, are really victims of their circumstances. They're the victims of a crime, and we shouldn't be treating them as wrongdoers. I
0: think, um, yeah, what stood out to me is that in the definition for refugee, there's the fact that it's very open to interpretation. Like you said, how can you prove these things? Who needs to flee, who doesn't
2: need to flee is very subjective, I think. My um, father immigrated to Lebanon a year after the Civil War broke out, which was actually like the process for him was quite easy. He waited in Greece for six months before he was allowed clearance into Canada, but he's not a citizen. I like just assumed when I was little that he was a citizen. I didn't realize like what a permanent resident was. Um, I also didn't realize that like he can still be deported. So I um, didn't realize that there was one incident when I was a child that he was almost deported. So that is like, as an adult, I'm like, wow, that would have been such a huge shift in my life. Even the fact that he did immigrate to Canada, I often think about the privilege that i have from living in canada especially as a gay person because it just became legal in lebanon a couple of years ago to be gay so if he had been denied entry into canada like my life would be very different so it's something i think about like often i think really highlights how these definitions might seem abstract these definitions have
0: really very much like tangible consequences for people who are living within these definitions and have to define themselves than within this very strict uh, category given by a government.
1: And they're very clinical. They're clinical definitions of, uh, you know, this person has to follow these particular rules and this other person can follow these other set of rules. And it totally takes the human aspect, the humanity of those people completely out of the equation. Noelle, thank you so much for those definitions.
0: Uh, can you also give us some numbers to go along with those definitions?
1: For sure. Right now in the world, we're witnessing the highest levels of displacement on record. So the high, the most people ever that we've seen unstably moving around, displaced. And I think part of it is our population is a lot larger now than it's ever been, for sure. But I think there is also more conflict going on in the world, uh, less on the World War scale, but more intranational conflict, so conflict happening within countries, uh, which which leads to a lot of internally displaced people, and the numbers reflect that. So in the world, we have 68.5 million people displaced. So that is a United Nations statistic. Of that 68.5 million, 40 million are internally displaced and 25.4 million are refugees. And there are, around the world, 10 million stateless people. So these are folks who don't have passports or documentations for any country, and they have been denied a nationality, which also means that they're denied access to basic rights, such as education, healthcare, employment, and freedom of movement. So Canada has a foreign-born population, meaning the amount of people who have immigrated to Canada, of 21.9%. So that's One in every five people that you walk down the street and say hello to will have been born out of Canada. So 22.3% of the total Canadian population, according to, you know, statistics, Canada identify as a visible minority. But of that 22%, 31% are Canadian born. So that's people like me who have parents from abroad, uh, but were born in Canada, but were still Visible minorities or racialized folks. And then of that 22% of the total population of visible minority Canadians, 65% were born outside of Canada. In the 2016 census, there was 250 ethnic origins present in Canada. Uh, In some cities, the population of folks who are racialized or who are visible minorities are pretty high. So in Vancouver, 51.6% of the population are not white. In Toronto, 51.5%. In Markham, Ontario, highest in Canada, 78% of people are not white. So it's interesting thinking about... You know, the total population in Canada, 22% are visible minorities. uh, But when you look at some of the more greater metropolis areas in our country, they are far more diverse than that
0: and so I was looking at the term visible minority because I think it's really interesting when we have uh, like 75% being a visible minority that makes it seem not at all a minority at this point point. and so what I think is really interesting about the term visible minority is it's defined by the government as, of Canada as persons other than aboriginal peoples who are non-Caucasian in race or non-white in colour.
2: I am half white but I do consider myself to be a visible minority. But it's funny because it fluxes a lot. Uh, When I was in junior high and high school, I had like bright red hair, and I shortened my name to Jamie. And I only told people that I was German and Ukrainian. I cut out the whole Lebanese portion of my identity. Um, But now as an adult, it's much harder for me to hide, and I don't want to hide it. I would like to explore it. But I have four other siblings, and we all range in the way we look. Two of my brothers appear white and they identify as white. One of my brothers identifies as brown. My little sister is kind of like in the mix. She's not really sure, um, but she often uh, is mistaken for being half black. So no one thinks that she's Arabic. Um, so it is interesting to see a range of like one family and how some of us identify as visible minorities and some of us don't. And just the way that you can be in a weird in-between area where some people also consider me to be a visible minority and some people just assume I'm white as well. So it is an interesting term because it is really hard to define.
1: I think it speaks a bit to, to the construction of whiteness and how being white and the privileges that come with whiteness are social, socially constructed. And we'll talk about this as we get into the migration history of Canada. But, you know, there was a time when Ukrainians and Polish weren't white enough for Canada, or Italians or Irish. Uh, that the, y- you know, there is a level of whiteness that people should be attaining, and it changes over time. And it's interesting when you talk about your siblings, in that too, that. You know, some of your siblings, and I'm sure this is the case with many mixed race families, that uh, some kids will be more comfortable moving towards that that white identity and and claiming the white part of their identity, but will maybe be much more uh, private about the other aspects of their identity. And you know, that brings into the discussion colorism and all of these things where if you can hide your other racial background, should you, could you, would you, all of these questions. That brings us to the end of this episode,
0: entitled, Welcome to the Unheard Youth Podcast. I've been your host, Rose Eva Forks-Jenkins. A big thank you to everyone who was featured in this episode. The compilation that you heard at the beginning includes voices from folks in Fort St. John. Edmonton, Montreal, and Toronto. A big thank you as well to Noelle J. Paul and Jamile Bacciolini for their conversation featured on this episode. We would also like to thank our friends and partners at CGSR 88.5 FM and the Edmonton Community Foundation. This project has been made possible in part by the Government of Canada. Ce projet a été rendu possible en partie grâce au gouvernement du Canada. Thank you to Chivenji for providing the music featured on the podcast. Definitely go check out their work. Their name is spelled C-H-I-V-E-N-G-I, and you can find it on SoundCloud. Now that you've heard from us, we'd love to hear from you. Please reach out on social media. You can reach us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at UnheardYouth. The recordings featured in this episode were created in Edmonton, Alberta, Amiskwichiwa Skygun. The Centre for Race and Culture acknowledges that we are located on Treaty 6 territory, traditional homelands for many Indigenous people, including the Nehio, Soto, Nitsatape, Métis, Dene, and Nakoda. We pay our respects to the ancestors past and present, who call this land home.